Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Well, summer, it feels a long way off at the moment. I uh, hope it's uh, a bit warmer where you are. Uh, this morning, uh, between 9 and 12, courtesy of Brent, your local John Deere equipment supplier, who are so evident today at the Mystery Creek uh, Field Days. You must pop, a look, pop along and see them, particularly if you're in the market for a John Deere piece of equipment, that beautiful big green machinery with a touch of yellow about it, the John Deere. You've got to get uh, along here and see the Brant people at the field days and, and of course um, any other uh, agricultural needs you, uh, you uh, want as well. Uh, just uh, after uh, the sermon coming up, we've got Justin Nelson. Uh, Justin, of course, is um, a host of Hoopheads. Uh, he's also a um, very well-respected basketball commentator as well for Sky. Uh, heavily involved in uh, setting up a lot of uh, basketball in New Zealand. Sal's NBL is at uh, an interesting stage. Uh, most teams have played 12 games now, about another month of round-robin competition, so we'll get a report card there. Uh, of course, the NBA wound up yesterday, and the Nuggets got there, didn't they? 4-1 in the end, quite uh, conclusive. Breakers have made some interesting signings as well, so we'll talk to Justin Nelson uh, very shortly. Uh, around 9.30 we'll encourage your, your talk back uh, We're going to have uh, subjects to talk about today Leaders, leaderships uh, Moan Ali coming out the English all round and saying He wouldn't have come back uh, to the English test side For any other captain than Ben Stokes Well it tends to suggest he had problems with previous captains doesn't it But uh, in terms of uh, Ben Stokes Obviously an inspirational leader um, So uh, that bears a talk back subject New Zealand's most inspirational leaders or the world's most inspirational leaders? Players that you would just get out uh, and play for until you died, basically. Uh, so uh, we'll look at that. Uh, what about uh, this fellow, um, Nikola Djokic? Uh, have you seen anyone dominate an event uh, like he has done when you've got so many world-class players on show? One guy stood literally head and shoulders above the rest of them and was, the, uh, uh, without doubt, the MVP of the final series. So that after 9.30, we might have a competition too, I think. Uh, we might dream up something quite juicy for you in terms of uh, the ashes. Um, so uh, just stay listening for that. Quite, be quite fruitful. Uh, 10.40 this morning, we'll uh, talk um, to uh, Alex Chapman in the Bulletin. Uh, prior to that, we, we're going to go to Australia and talk to Simon O'Donnell, former Australian all-rounder, of course, uh, heavily involved in the racing industry too. Uh, but Simon's been doing this uh, great show, The Road to the Ashes, with Steve Armisen you've been listening to. Uh, here on um, SENZ. So we'll talk to Simon. It's uh, just a couple of days away, first ball. Polaris uh, Field Days, uh, of course, specials are on offer. Get up to 2,500 free accessories on Polaris Rangers. <coughs> we'll have uh, the sports desk courtesy of Polaris just after 11 o'clock. We'll t catch up with Andy Thompson too because it's a rural roundup day. And here, tell, I know where Andy is. Yep, he's at Mystery Creek. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's sermon. Well, it's 36 days and 10 hours away, give or take a minute or two, from the first kick of the ball in the Football Women's World Cup. 
It will be a huge event. Tickets are flying out the door. Well, in Australia anyway. We will get involved, I'm sure, late in the piece. Um, but we're often a bit slow on that kind of uptake. We take uh, gate sales a little bit casually in this country. Uh, television ratings for the Women's Football World Cup will boom around the world. The game gets bigger, the skills are obvious, and the competition becomes more even every time you look at the field. So why I ask then, a touch over five weeks out, are the games at this stage not going to be shown on television in Britain, Spain, Italy, Germany and France? I mean, in Europe, they are the five biggest footballing nations, surely. They have very popular leagues, attracting players from around the world and immensely big crowds attend on a regular basis. Their national teams are always in the reckoning. It's baffling. Or is it? The answer is plain and simple. The television companies are not prepared to pay enough to satisfy FIFA's coffers. It's a slap in the face, an insult to players and all women worldwide, they say. That's FIFA, I mean. It's baffling, isn't it, that in all these five sports crazy nations combined, there is not one powerful television agency prepared to make the deal, to take the punt on the success of its viewership. It's just as baffling that FIFA can't convince them to buy in. They can't broker a deal. I mean, it will happen. The unthinkable won't happen. But the old ransom note is getting a bit crinkled here, and it's now become a very dangerous stance to say that high-profile women's sport does not sell or sell that well. There'll be outrage, predictable outrage too, if there is a blackout. Meanwhile, meanwhile uh, back here, our Jitka continues to whittle away at her squad and it wouldn't be a great pity if half of Europe aren't able to watch us knock over Norway on opening night. Nah, nah, that will never happen. Surely, surely that will never happen. As basketball continues its rapid growth across the world, the pinnacle of the sport has concluded for another year, and what a wonderful story it was. Just like that, the Serbian giant who was drafted in a Taco Bell commercial and can barely get above the rim is a finals MVP. Uh, Nikola Djokic delivered the Denver Nuggets their first ever championship, and what a special team they are. Many people believe that Djokic plays basketball the beautiful way. Shoot when you're open, pass when you're not. That style can work in any league around the globe, including the Sales NBL, which continues to flourish here in New Zealand. And Justin Nelson, of course, is the host of Hoops Heads on Sky Sport and SENZ. Uh, he's with us this morning. Uh, Justin, good morning to you. Hey, good morning, Smithy. And just listening to your to sermon uh, before coming in, and um, you know, really like what you're saying. And Gee, I'll tell you what, it's going to be beyond our lifetime, but I can't wait for the day where it's not called men's sport, it's not called women's sport, it's just sport. Hmm. I totally agree. Totally. I, I, it's, it's coming. It's, it, you know it's coming, but uh, some people are just a little bit harder to uh, prompt than others, uh, and uh, this it's quite an interesting story. That's why I picked up on it, because... Uh, I, I can't believe, and you're, you're into the uh, world of television and television and sport and events. I, I just cannot believe that those five nations 
will play hardcore Crazy. much longer. Um, it'll happen, surely. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, it's just a shame that it comes down to the eleventh uh, hour. It's uh, it's crazy stuff. But the NBA, let's turn our attention to that. And mm. uh, as you mentioned, what what a fairy tale, what a story, what a moment in time for the Denver Nuggets. What is it, fifty five, fifty six years? Uh, they are going to be celebrating for weeks and weeks and months ahead. And the story of the Joker. Uh, pick 41, quite amazing. In fact, one of his teammates uh, this season, Aaron Gordon, in that same draft year, 2014, was at pick four. Uh, I think uh, um, Doug McDermott was picked at 11 by the Denver Nuggets. And then here's this guy, absolute champion of the game, who was picked up at number 41. What a story. It is a, a terrific story of a guy who... Um, almost at times to me looks undefendable but plays the game in a very simple straightforward manner I, I think you've hit the nail on the head uh, You know, anyone who sits down and, and, and watches the way he goes about it uh, it's no fuss it's, it's, no, it's no frills uh, he has this uh, incredible ability uh, to do um, what he needs to do at any given time with the ball. His decision-making uh, and basketball IQ is elite. It's off the charts. I mean, to have 10 triple-doubles, uh, which is a playoffs record, to have 10 triple-doubles during the playoffs, quite remarkable. Rightio, let's, uh, let's get down to Tin Tax here. Where does he... I mean, OK, this is his, quite obviously his most prominent season and he'll, he'll need to have more. But at this stage, is it possible that this guy could go down as one of the most dominant basketballers in the history of the game? I mean, Larry Bird was, um, up until recent times, undisputably the best white basketballer in the world. Where does this guy sit amongst the greats? Well, I think he already is one of the greatest. I mean, you look at his achievements and what he's put together since entering the competition uh, back in 2014, 2015. I think he already is one of the greats. We're actually talking about this. Casey Frank and I were talking about this on Hoopheads on SENZ last night. And just the way that we all draw ourselves towards comparing players of different eras. The fact is the different players of different eras mean different things to different people. It's what you grow up with. It's what you're around. It's what you see and what you appreciate. And right now, there's a legion of fans across the world that will be looking at the Joker as their greatest ever player, their player that they're growing up with and they're watching and appreciating. And I think Yuri is one of the greatest. Okay, right. Uh, and the rest of the squad. I mean, uh, he can't do it by himself, although some say he almost did. But um, this is a squad that, all, by all intents and purposes, Michael Malone might hold together for quite some time. Therefore, we might be looking at some sort of perspective din dynasty, I suppose. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and they look like they really enjoy playing basketball together, which quite often happens when you win a championship, of course. But you go through the draft selections of this team, and it is quite remarkable uh, that it isn't star-studded in terms of picks one or picks two. I mean, as I said, Aaron Gordon was, was pick four, and I think Murray was about pick seven or pick eight. But so many of these players were in the 20s and, and 30s, and then obviously you know, the big man in the middle in the 40s. Uh, it's quite a remarkable story with what has uh, been brought together here. Um, I, I think you'll find that there'll always be changes because that's inevitable 
in uh, in a sport like the NBA. So players will come and go. Tough decisions will need to be made. But you can see the core of this team sticking together for some time. And that only means one thing based on what we saw this season. It means that there's going to be more success. Yeah, there's going to be more success, all right. Uh, it would be interesting to see... Uh, he seems to be a very proud Serbian. He wants uh, the first thing he wants to do is get home and watch uh, some of his horses run. Um, he, he likes uh, Serbia. Would, you'd envisage him being as dominant a force, or possibly even playing for Serbia in a World Cup, or would he, is he too valuable for that now? Uh, it's interesting. I'm not sure what pressure gets put on these players from their teams. You know, back in the NBA, who play, you know, pay the big bucks. Um, it's quite often talked about with, with Stephen Adams and, and what we go through here in New Zealand and the contracts and what they need to do and what they have to do uh, to uh, to put their career together. So I'm not sure what the pressure is from Denver, but he is proud. He absolutely wants to get out there and, uh, and play for his country. And uh, I think there's every chance that he will do that at the World Cup. Right, OK, let's uh, get a bit local, uh, Justin, if we can, and uh, it's a competition you're heavily involved in with your commentary, etc. The sales NBL, the, most teams have now played 12 games. We've got about a one month, I think, of round-robin play to come before the playoffs. Tuatara, Rams, Nuggets, Bulls, uh, that is uh, the top four at the moment. Yeah, it is, and the battle for five and six is where it's all happening. I think the top four will make their way through uh, right now, we're looking at nine wins as being enough to get you in. Last season, it was 10. The Tuatata already on nine wins, so I think they're safe. Uh, certainly, the, the, the Bulls, uh, the Rams and the Nuggets probably need one more just to be um, uh, in line, maybe two to be certainties. But from there on, and round 10, which is the two-third mark of the season, of course, it's 15 regular season rounds, but round 10 coughed up some amazing results, some huge upsets. Uh, the Nuggets were the biggest uh, of the upset winners, getting the Saints in Wellington. Banged up, down players, uh, a lot of injury concerns going into that game, and somehow they got up and won it. It was quite amazing to call that game and see what the Nuggets did. After going down to the Jets less than 24 hours before, what we know right now is the Saints, the Hawks, and the Sharks all lost in Round 10. And the teams underneath them, the Giants, the Jets and the Airs, all won. And all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, all 10 teams are back in the hunt for the final six. Yeah, it's a staggeringly uh, even competition in that regard. Having said that, uh, you've got to like the way the Tuatara have been trending for quite some time. They won the Northern Battle over the Bulls in the weekend. Yeah, really strong. And Rob Lowe, MVP season. You think about Rob Lowe recently announcing his retirement in the ANBL, and I know he's very satisfied with that decision. He's calling time, his his time, his way, the way that he wants to do it. But, gee, there'd be a few ANBL teams that would dearly love to have Rob Lowe running around uh, in the coming season. Uh, he had another 30 points in that game against the Bulls. He is in terrific form and I've got no doubt we're going to see him in the Sells NBL for a number of years yet. The Tuatata added uh, Joe Lawson. Import came in. Cruz Perro Hunt, young Kiwi, back from college, came in. All of a sudden, they've got more depth. And I think right now, they are the team to beat. Um, looking at, uh, you talked about um, Rob Lowe bowing out of uh, the ANBL, but do you see any players uh, in uh, the franchises uh, that uh, you're watching and commentating on at the moment who are likely perhaps to be picked up by one of the franchises either here or overseas? 
Uh, it's an interesting question. I mean, we are seeing players emerge all the time, and the Sales NBL as a single league delivers more players to the Australian NBL every year than any other competition in the world. So it is a competition, uh, the Sales NBL, that is you know, hotly looked at. We're seeing coaches go. Aaron Young just got picked up by the Perth Wildcats, of course. Uh, I think we're going to continue to see more and more players emerge. There's a young player uh, at the Tour Tata at the moment, Charlie Dalton. You look at what he's doing right now as an 18-year-old. Dante Russo-Nance did it the last couple of years as a 16, 17-year-old. He's now signed a professional contract with the Perth Wildcats, and I think he'll go on and play elsewhere around the world. Maybe the NBA. I mean, who knows? But we are definitely seeing our competition here in New Zealand as being a legitimate stepping stone to bigger things for these players. Will Ty and Corey Webster qualify to play in the finals? Yeah, they will. Uh, they need to play five games. That's the rule of the competition, 25% of the season or rounded up to the next whole number. And that is five games. They won't play this weekend. Uh, they are set to come in in round 12. Both of those teams have five games remaining, the Nuggets and the Rams. And ironically, in round 12, those two teams play against each other. So the first time we're going to see the Webster brothers this season will be out on court in different uniforms playing against each other. Can't wait for that. The Breakers, talking about the Breakers, they are starting to, Modi Mayor is starting to make some decent moves in the recruitment market. Um, Mangok uh, Matayang, and I've, I've probably got that wrong, and I'll probably get this one wrong as well, but you can correct me on it. Lithuanian giant, 1.98 metre guard, Mantis Rubstavicius has uh, been signed as well, and I've probably got them completely wrong. I think we'll just go with Mr. Vicious. He's a young kid. He's on the rise. He's playing uh, senior basketball right now. And they've got high hopes for him being a fifth breaker drafted to the NBA. And uh, based on what they've done so far over the last few years with the Next Stars program, I've got no doubt that they are on the money with this young kid as well out of Lithuania. Uh, Mangok Mathiang is a South Sudanese-Australian um, he's injury-free, which is great news. Terrific skill. He definitely has the ability to hold down that centre position. And importantly for the breakers, being an Aussie, he's unrestricted. So they can continue to put imports around him and around uh, Will McDowell-White. I think what we're seeing right now from the breakers is yet again assembling a very, very strong and competitive roster. Right, okay, uh, Justin, uh, great to catch up with you uh, as always. Uh, thanks very much. Enjoying uh, all the work that you're doing uh, on Sky Television and thanks again for making us uh, make yourself available to us. Denver Nuggets, uh, without doubt, uh, I think. Uh, I, I just wonder, do you perceive any retirements? Um, we're still waiting for LeBron. Do you perceive any big stories coming in the uh, in-between season time for the NBA? Anything on, on, the, mar on, the, uh, on the pipeline there? Yeah, it's a good question. I suppose everyone looks to LeBron, don't they? But I think he'll go on and play again. Uh, I don't foresee anything major happening with uh, with the big stars. But, of course, we start to enter a period of time. Draft coming up. Let's not forget that. That's going to be big, big news next week, I think it is, uh, or not long after. So that's the next big cab off the rank for the NBA. And then as we head towards the start of a new season, we start talking player movement, trades, all sorts of stuff. So exciting times ahead, but I don't foresee any big names uh, bowing out just yet.
Good on you. Okay, Justin, uh, thank you very much for your time this morning. Have a terrific day. Thanks, Smithy. Cheers, uh, Justin Nelson there, of course, uh, with everything uh, about the the Hoops game. Uh, you can, uh, of course, uh, listen to him or watch him uh, throughout the various shows that he does on television and, of course, here on SENZ as well. So, uh, very interesting uh, stage. Louis, good morning to you. Yeah, I watched uh, Game 5 yesterday. Um, <coughs> this guy is, and of interest to you, of course, is uh, he just wants to get home and watch his horses run. It's staggering. Uh, he, doesn't wanna, <laughs> he doesn't want the parade. He doesn't want the accolades. Just, hey, let's move on, eh? Timothy Morning, he's a legend, isn't he? He's an incredible uh, subplot around Nikola Jokic is that so many um, people that work in the NBA and, and make their dime from covering basketball took so long to get their head around this guy could be the superstar that he was because he wasn't your cliché NBA superstar. And you made the salient point that Larry Bird had held that championship belt as a, and it, obviously he was an American. The game's got more global as a, a white star. Well, Nikola Jokic is unassuming. He doesn't care. Did you see him trying to um, pop the champagne bottle? It was like he, he just, he, he never celebrated anything in his life. I'd love to know what happens after he wins a, a group one, you know, 2,400 metre trot. I mean, would he care more? Probably. Yeah, he probably would actually. It was a, it was a great uh, shot of I saw on uh, Facebook. I think it was of um, it might have been with Jamal Murray. Just uh, they've got a swimming pool in the dressing room. Believe that or not, the Denver Nuggets got a swimming pool in the dressing room, um, crashing into the swimming pool. Um, others around the room with cigars and things. You don't. It doesn't strike me as in a, a cigar sort of a bloke. Uh, just just a staggering story it is, and uh, he will continue to be. And I perceive. Um, that uh, and the way I'm uh, looking at it uh, has just started he's just started mate he's 26 27 maybe 28 at the most another 6 or 7 years think of the records think of the records uh, 2 MVPs now finals MVP and Smithy we're about to talk about great leaders you're so right he wasn't worried about the cigar or the champagne he just wanted to hang out with his teammates he's a very interesting case of a guy who just plays the right way plays hard but doesn't get too carried away in the uh the fizz of it all, and people follow him. So it's an interesting point as we're about to embark on that conversation. Yep, we are. Uh, 0800 We'll take a short break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk about what we want to talk about with you. SCNZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Call anytime. 0800 150 Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.29 here on SENZ and uh, after the news coming up uh, very shortly, we shall have uh, a little bit of talk back and invite you to ring up uh, in terms of uh, leaders, standout leaders uh, who perhaps uh, you would have played for over the years uh, come hell or high water uh, who you'd uh, sweat blood for and it comes on the back of Moan Ali who has been drafted into the England test side for the Ashes saying that he would not have returned for any other captain than Ben Stokes uh, now that's a very interesting statement for me um, that you're taking uh, a player over country basically, that's a statement uh, I'm taking country, but I'm only taking it because of of, of a player, of a leader, which uh, sort of, I, I guess, begs the question, is there anyone in this country um, who you think has that kind of mana or has had that kind of mana? Uh, Richie McCaw stands out, of course, um, uh, as one. But um, in terms of um, of cricket, etc., or, or of rugby, 
rugby league, etc., football? Is there uh, in any sport a standout who you would have just turned around and say, yeah, I'll do anything, absolutely anything for he or she? I'd be interested to know on uh, 0800 150811. And uh, also after uh, the news here, uh, we'll have news of a very interesting competition involving the Ashes and your judgment. Here's Araha. You can catch live commentary of the Ashes starting Friday at 9pm on SENZ or download the SENZ app. He messaged me with a question mark, Ashes. And I, I, I didn't hear the news of Lichi at the time. And I just went, LOL, thinking he's taking a mic. And then, uh, yeah, the news came through and then I had a chat with him. And then, yeah, that's it. But I did have some family holidays booked. Uh, <laughs> our wife wasn't that keen. Do you think you would have done this for any other captain? Probably not, no. No, no, you would have done it for any other captain. That was uh, more gnarly. Uh, it's as simple as that. A text with a question mark as if to say, would you, would you, would you come and play for me? Uh, answer, yep, uh, even though the wife wants to go on holiday um, and we've got them booked, I shall play for Ben Stokes, which means I do play for England up until that point. Not a chance that Moan Ali will have stepped into the, uh, the hole that uh, Jack Leach's injury has left behind. So... Uh, that leads us uh, to uh, an interesting uh, subject, really. Uh, I've already got a couple of texts in. Um, uh, Ian has said, to McCaw all day, I would <coughs> blood for the legendary man. I would l- literally blood for the legendary man. Um, and Mike's come in and says, uh, on leaders, I believe Todd Black had, had that level of stature in Canterbury when he was captain. Right, let's uh, get to the phones. Uh, Neville from Kaiapoi might have some golf news as well, Neville. But who's over the years that you've been watching sport in this country, Neville? Who's the most inspirational leader that even you would get out of the armchair for and say, "I'm with you"? Oh, oh that's some question. Um, oh, let me think. Um, oh, I don't you'd go back to Leeds. You'd go. Brian Lahore, um, very good. Um, yeah, Brian Lahore. And maybe uh, Jamie Joseph. Jamie oh, Joseph of late. Beg your pardon? Jamie Joseph, that's an interesting one from, uh, mind you, Kaiapoi. Yeah. No, that's down that way. Not that yeah, far down, I'm though. Not, I'm not a Canterbury, even though I live there. <laughs> wow, I'm still that's that out too there. Yeah. <laughs> You're still blowing no, gold. No, I just, what, what? Yeah. I, I just wanted to mention um, we've got some big things happening with all of our golfers at the moment, the young ones. Uh, the Junior World Cup is um, going to be on this weekend, and we've got some pretty good youngsters there. Um, uh, Zach Swanwick, he won the Australian uh, title recently, uh, junior in the under-19. 
and um, there's a young fella from down here. He's turning 15 today, young wow. Cooper Moore. He's, he won the under-16 over there in Aussie, and I think he finished in the top five in the, in the overall. Um, and he's just won the White Kerry Senior Club Camps for the third time in a row at the age of 14. Um, we've got a couple of good girls over there, so... Um, Keep your eyes open for the Junior World Cup in Japan. Um, and the other good news, which we'll be pleased about, is Amelia Garvey. Um, she just uh, finished second in the last recent tournament on the weekend um, on the Epson Tour, and that rocketed her up into the top 25 in 19th position. And um, she's well placed now halfway through the season. To hold in, hold on to that top twenty-five spot, um, which will get her onto the PGA, the LPGA tour, and of course she's playing the US Open in a couple of weeks, and her form has been really, you know, increasing over the last three tournaments. So you never know; she just might finish it at the US Open. Neville, always great to catch up with you. Thanks for that update on our junior golf. And yes, uh, our programs are starting to pay dividends, aren't they? Uh, thanks for that. Uh, Brian Lahore, uh, in your mind. Right, let's get to Scott uh, from uh, Taranaki. Scott, good morning to you. Hi, Smitty. Uh, Ryan Nelson in football. And I'm going to yeah. go with a future great leader of the All Blacks, Artie Savia, off the back of, uh, of watching him on the weekend and how much he cares. How much he cares. I think he's going to be a great leader. So I reckon if I was uh, given a phone call from Marty and I played actually a, a decent clip of rugby, I'd give him a buzz. Um, so I'd be good to go. But um, the other one I was thinking in, in rugby would probably be Buck Shelford. I just think he's someone that would uh, he would get out of bed for as well, I think. I agree. Um, Buck was uh, one that I was thinking of uh, from the get-go, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Scott, I, I think that would be a very popular choice um, uh, around uh, the sporting nature because you, you, you want those kind of guys who will go, uh, take the first step into the unknown uh, that you're not prepared to take, but you're prepared to take the one after them. So uh, I think it's a really good call. And Ryan Nelson, that's an interesting one for me. Uh, Scott, uh, thank you very much for those names. Uh, Joey from Auckland. G'day, Joey. Yeah, g'day, Smithy. Hope everything's nice in the weather and everything's good down there. Um, uh, down the, your lovely part of the, uh, New Zealand. Um, I, I thought um, Baz McCullum and um, two guys you played with, Smithy, um, Jeremy Coney and and Jeffrey Howard. Now, um, I would say Martin Crow, but I don't know whether Martin Crow ever kept the New Zealand, so I can't remember that. But, but Jeremy Coney and, and Jeff Howard. I remember, you know, Jeff Howard, when we, we first went over to Australia and played in those one days, and you obviously played with these guys. Um, I don't know, he, he said something about him, uh, you know, that, that's my opinion. I don't know what you think, you played with him, didn't you? Well, well, three totally different personalities you've got there, Joey. Um, three, um, I think uh, the word is, they're not the kind of guys who are going to rip the coat hooks off um, in the dressing room and say, that's how tough we've got to be, follow me out the door. They're not those kind of guys. Uh, they are much more, I think, the kind of guys who, who worked on the mind side of things rather than the physical side of things. Cricket is that game. Jeff Howth was inspirational. Jeff Howth was truly inspirational captain and innovative before his time. Uh, he'd have been a good IPL captain, for instance, but he, he stopped playing cricket in about 1985 uh, because he was that forward thinking in the game. Martin Crowe did cap the New Zealand for a, quite a long period of time, of course, and let's not forget the 1992 World Cup. 
uh, where the players were prepared to bro- walk over broken grass, uh, broken glass for him um, because he let from the front there. Uh, and, of course, uh, yeah, Jeremy Coney, who was much more cerebral, shall we say, uh, much more the mind-setting uh, side of things, wasn't a big team talker in that respect. Uh, he basically worked on the theory of you're on the side, um, you're playing international cricket, you know how to play it, now let's go and play it, basically, uh, and had some interesting thoughts on the game in that regard. But really cool. Uh, I like the, that, um, that selection, particularly from a cricket front. Uh, Ted from Auckland. Good morning, Ted. Hey, Smithy, how are you today? I'm really good, man. You sound like a guy who would be an inspirational leader yourself. Thank you very much. Hey, look, um, in terms of rugby, um, can't go past uh, Buck Shelford. Um, uh, It was cricket. I was thinking, um, I'm not sure if he was a captain, but um, Glenn Turner. Um, uh, For me, he was quite an inspirational um, player and uh, rugby league at the moment would probably be um, Tohu Harris Well that's a good choice Tohu Harris of modern day leaders in this country it is quite clear that he has everything everything uh, Ted that uh, need, a leader needs he just needed the right people uh, to help him go in the right direction um, and he's found that and Andrew Webster and the coaching staff now in the hierarchy at the Warriors to give him full support and now we can see um, that his leadership is a paying dividends for this current squad, many of who were in the squad last year when it wasn't working. So uh, Tohu Harris, the ability also of a leader is to turn things around, uh, not just the lead initially but to turn things around, take um, you know, a, a bit of a mess and turn it into something that's pretty special. Uh, Tohu Harris's leadership on the field certainly um, is giving us illustrations that he can do that at the moment. Uh, Bernard from Canterbury. G'day, Bernard. Good morning to you. I'm sure we're going to come up with a Canterbury leader here, are we? Oh, not today, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, your first caller had Brian Lahore, and um, Brian Lahore for sure. But he had, a, he had a captain as well before him, who was Wilson Winneray. Eh? And, um, um, Jingoes, I've just gone and lost what I was going to say to you. But, um, oh, if I was a runner, I would have loved to have run under um, half a Lydiard. Here to make you run through anything. Um, and when I was growing up, I was in the surf lifesaving, and um, we had a guy called Paul Kent. Paul's now dead, um, but for Paul, you'd, 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 you'd do most things and have a lot of fun doing it. And yeah, I guess that's all I wanted to say. Bernard, uh, thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. Um, I, I'm with you on Brian Lahore, Wilson Winneray, inspirational man. Probably go back, even uh, you and I go back as far as to suggest someone like. Fred Allen, back in the day, undefeated all-black coach, Fred Allen. Um, so, Bernard, we're on the same wavelength there. And Paul Kent, yes, I remember the name in, in uh, Life Saving. Um, so uh, that's a good choice. Glenn Turner's an interesting one. Glenn was very much, uh, he had a book called My Way, um, so he liked to do things his way. Uh, but certainly you cannot deny that uh, Glenn Turner was a deep thinker of the game. He was a very good coach, actually. Um, uh, to be perfectly honest with you he uh, said the right things at the right time Uh, he rubbed people up the wrong way but that is just his way but uh, you cannot deny his ability with the bat to lead from the front either so uh, and a good uh, an interesting guy to talk to uh, about cricket and uh, other aspects of life as well uh, Glenn Turner Uh, we've had Richie McCaw come in arguably our greatest ever leader says Kevin Uh, Todd Blacker Richie McCaw getting another vote there 
Um, there are uh, a number, a number of people, of course, uh, who fit into that category. But um, thanks for the calls. Very interesting. It's 9.44 here on SCNZ. When we come back, we're still going to announce this competition for you as well. We'll have live commentary of all the biggest games, the All Blacks, Irish, French and more, right here. Can we bring the Web Alice Cup home? Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. To give you an example, like, I stuffed up a line-out on debut and he was the jumper and he came up to me at the next scrum and he was like, mate, I was a bit slow across the ground. Mm. And so all of a sudden, you know, my debut, I'm like, beauty, that's not my fault. <laughs> Skip's got me. You know, packed down for the scrum. And, it, and after the game, he goes, oh, mate, I, I know what it's like when you've been that fit, like the level of leadership and thought he had. Mm. He was like, I wanted to take the pressure off you, but it was overthrown. So let's just have a look at that during the week and rectify. Wow. I just thought that's amazing. In a pressure situation test match, he has the ability to know that I needed that pressure relieved to get the best out of me for the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, it's just things like that. You've got that is former All Black James Parsons on his debut playing under Richie McCaw. So that's what you call leadership. It's, uh, that's the kind of bloke that uh, you'll double up for, isn't it? Uh, just an example of uh, James Parsons saying uh, he was uh, probably a little bit scared of uh, playing alongside the legend of Richie McCaw and he put him at ease straight away. That is what you call leadership. Okay, we've got a really big uh, pick-up early on in terms of uh, this partic- uh, particular contest that we're going for, for the Ashes. It will really help, folks. I mean, the board's just uh, lighting up. Uh, think about it. Uh, you got till uh, Friday, lunchtime. Uh, there's some names that we've never heard of. Uh, we didn't realise we are listening to the show, and it's wonderful. Um, it would help, too, if you put your name alongside uh, the text number, the, the, the name alongside it, that would be uh, a lot more helpful for us as well to keep it just a little bit more personal when we announce perhaps that you are the winner. So uh, that is, um, that is uh, I, I think, very important as well. Uh, we're going to talk uh, on the subject of the ashes to Simon O'Donnell. Now, Simon O'Donnell's a terrific story. Uh, here's a bloke uh, who's a pretty tough cookie, um, a legendary um, cricketer in Australia, um, he made a comeback from uh, illness, uh, which was highly publicised, and Australia lived that uh, with him as well. Simon O'Donnell has been high profile in the racing industry as part of the SEN network, of course, um, and uh, he made his debut. Where? In the Ashes. So he's uh, the perfect guy to talk about as a series uh, is going to uh, unfold in front of us starting a Friday night, our time. It's going to be in- intriguing. So uh, keep the text coming in, put your name alongside it, uh, that will be outstanding. No hurry, you've got till Friday, you've got till Friday, think it through, Uh, we have got so many variations already, it is quite intriguing, it really is quite intriguing. So uh, that is uh, our first hour done and dusted, you're travelling to the field days, so travel safely, uh, and we'll be back uh, very shortly to talk the ashes with Scoob, Simon O'Donnell. Load the SENZ app. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, the time for talking is nearly over, although no doubt there's still plenty to be said when the Ashes gets underway. It's live, of course, on SEN and the SENZ uh, networks uh, across both sides of the Tasman. Um, of course, Friday evening is first ball due. 
Uh, Glenn McGrath is pretty certain it's going to be 5 0 sweep to Australia. It's fair to say that Ben Stokes and Baz McCullum will see an entirely different picture. But one man whose opinion we should take very seriously is the host of the Road to the Ashes series you've heard, and a former elite competitor in both the AFL, the international cricket domain, and of course he knows what it's like to win big horse races as well. That is Simon O'Donnell, and it's good morning to you, uh, Simon. Uh, listen, you won your first uh, test cap uh, You were test cap number 329 the, the treasured baggy green And that was in an Ashes test match Take us back, please, if you can To the, how you felt when you heard that um, Smitty, it was, a, it was a really special occasion It was probably 48 hours before they bowled The first ball of the first test in 1985 And uh, it was a memorable test match, Smitty Because I lasted about 18 seconds I took centre to leg, missed the first one And walked straight off <laughs> it got better though It got better Not much better The second innings then I think It was close to a record too I think it was about 43 minutes On zero To make a pair in my first test match And John Embry And Phil Edmonds were bowling I remember it like it was yesterday There was um overweight Englishman all around me um, giving me pretty good advice on uh, what I should do with my career uh, after I finish cricket, which is about to happen. So um, we battled our way through and Wayne Phillips, uh, one of your um, uh, wicket-keeping family, uh, when I walked out the bat on a pair, he walked up to me, Smithy, and he said, um, how many great test hundreds have you seen? I looked at him, what a funny thing to say, and he said, you're about to witness one. And he got out at 91, and it was, he absolutely took England apart, which was extraordinary, but um, he fell nine runs short, and I thought I was going to witness one of the great test hundreds. That is, that's cool, and I know Flipper very well. I, I know exactly where you're coming from there. Uh, Simon, just, just paint a picture for us. Uh, none of, uh, no New Zealand citizen will ever, uh, will ever play in the Ashes as such. For us, it's the all-black jersey. What about this particular contest, this Ashes contest? Yeah, look, I, I think it's one of the great iconic sporting events. Uh, every two years, you know, we... we obviously swap nations where we play it but you know that that sense of history and I, and I think that's you know one of the one of the things I hope we never lose in our in our sport with the challenges in front of test cricket at the moment is you know, this sense of history and you know for all the um, different forms of the game and the publicity that uh, uh, that surround them these days I mean we just had the world test championship and in a way, it was second fiddle to what's about to start on Friday, which that's quite extraordinary in itself. And you, know, you guys have won a, um, you know, a World Test Championship, and, and you know, that, that's a big thing. And you know, for that to sort of play second fiddle to, to what's going to happen at Edgbaston on Friday, the start of a, an Ashes series, is quite extraordinary in itself. Right. Okay. Uh, how do you can you put this down in any simple fashion? A battle between this and that, or that bowling attack and that top order? Or where do you, do you do you see a really uh, a key area or two that will define what happens here? Mate, I'm I'm going to wave it to your 
great wisdom on this. I mean, you, you've seen the, you know, the, the McCullum influence on England firsthand in in New Zealand this year. I, probably the one thing I've got in my head that you just you do need a plan B against the sort of tactic that they appear to, they're going to bring out onto the ground on on you know scoring runs quickly and and you know not leaving balls and making sure that um, you know, they they put a lot of pressure on the, the opposing bowling team. So I, I'm wondering that whether you know that's a, a key ingredient for a bowling team now to go out and and have a a plan B. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I totally agree. I, look, it's worked till now, um, and uh, but they haven't played an attack like this. Uh, you, you do have to have a plan B over a period of time. You just, uh, you know, cricket is um, is a much more studied game than it used to be, uh, Simon. When you, you know, it's like a boxing match now. You you punch and then you 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 sit on the ropes and take it. Then you counter punch back, uh, and, and it happens a lot more regularly with research these days. Australia are not stupid. They have been sitting back watching England uh, decimate bowling attacks at a great rate of knots. This is not going to happen, uh, I don't think, without a great deal of risk. So I'm with you on a plan B, um, but I've never known Bren- Brendan McCullum to sit back for long, and plan B will probably be an attacking one as well somehow. Yeah, and I think it goes both ways, Smithy. That, you know, the Aussies have got to make sure that they've got you know, their plans in place as well. You know, If guys are taking balls off the stumps and scoring boundaries and scoring at a rapid rate, you know, they've got to have a... They've got to have a, a, another plan themselves. I mean, they're fantastic, I think, the Australians at hitting the top of off stump and keeping that pressure on. Now, if, if that turns against you for a period of time, whether that be a session, a session and a half, I think you can see that England take test matches away from opposition teams in those short periods of time. So they're going to make sure themselves that they have something up their sleeve to counter-attack what will be a, a positive attack from England, I'm sure. Right, let's look at uh, Australia, the makeup of Australia's side. Um, I think it's relatively predictable, apart from maybe one area, and that is, uh, I think, uh, they, do they find room for Hazelwood, or do, uh, or do they say, uh, Josh, you haven't played a lot of cricket, uh, we've just got a bowling attack that's won a World Test Championship final, we're going to put faith in them first. Where do you go uh, with your pace attack? I don't think you change the pace attack that went into the Oval World Test Championship final. Um, if Josh Hazelwood had only been out for the last three or four weeks with an injury, I'd probably say that's up for debate. You know, Josh hasn't played you know, a full series, I think, for three or four years. Um, now, he's a wonderful competitor and a wonderful bowler, but you know, what you don't need in, in Shield cricket, uh, in Test cricket and Ashes cricket, is someone coming in with any sort of injury cloud hanging over them in the in the first test match where you really want to put a stamp on where you want this series to go. So uh, if I was a selector, I, I for all the great things that Josh Hazelwood brings, I couldn't take that risk, really. Okay, uh, just tell us then um, about Scott Boland. I mean, you Victorians love uh, crowing about your, your mates, but what about the Scott Boland? Right. <laughs> what you see is what you get. Um, as all of us Victorians ask me, as you well know, we're very humble. Yeah, 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 of course you are. Yes, um, yeah, we, we just go about our business. 
Um, there's no fanfare. He runs in. He bowls the ball in a in an area that will make you play every single delivery he bowls. Um, he's just a beauty. He's one of those guys you wind him up at the start of the day and you replace the bat, take the battery out at the end of the day and uh, you charge it up and then you replace it the next morning. That's Scott Boland and and that's why I think his success in Test cricket has been so astronomical so far is that you know, he's relentless and you know Test cricket is all about being relentless from a bowling point of view and he's relentless at that off stump. So I think he's he's earned his opportunity. It's taken a long time, um, but you know the way he's bowling and you know, what he brings to the table in building pressure, not only from his own bowling, but enabling the guy at the other end to even attack a little more, I, I think it's something that's absolute gold for Australia at the minute. Let's look to at the, the top of the batting order, if, if we can, because... Uh, I, I think it's uh, undoubted that Warner and Kawaja will get first crack of the whip, but it's a question of uh, how long uh, they're going to feel the whip before something happens. Now, Kawaja's form in England has not been flash over history, and Warner's fl- form of late has not been flash at all. Where do you sit on this uh, opening duo of left-handers? Happy to stay where we are at the minute. Um, I... I I like Davy Warner's 43 in the first innings at the Oval. I, I thought it was... Uh, I think he's really set himself, you know, to retire in Sydney next year in the New Year's Test match against Pakistan. He wants that to be his, his send-off. And I think he's mentally just put himself in a frame now to say, you know, I, I can do this. And, you know, he's a guy that's always responded well to challenges. So... Look, this is his ultimate one, I think. Uh, I, I, I believe he gets the first test match. If he's not showing something that, you know, uh, I suppose looks to be able to give him longevity to get through to, you know, to Sydney, I don't think he'll get many tests after the first one if things don't go well. Wow, OK. Uh, Nathan Lyon is a factor in this series. Genuine factor, um, you know. He just, he's, he's a, he's quite phenomenal. Like everyone sung the praises of Scott Boland at the Oval, and so they should have. But four for forty-one, he ended up with in the second inning. So no one talks about it. Mm. Yeah, it was quite, quite extraordinary what he brings to the table, and and he looks. Yep, I'm going to say a terrible. He, he, he in some ways looks a little innocuous when he bowls, as if he's sort of a you know, a, a fast off-breaker, but you know, what he brings to the table, his strike rate and you know, the batsman he gets out is is rather extraordinary. So, look, he, he's going to play a, a, a big role. You know, I thought India were way out of whack. Once they didn't play Ravi Ashwin in at the Oval, I thought they were done and dusted. I, I couldn't believe that they, they wouldn't play a guy like Ashwin, such a competitor and fantastic on the big stage. I mean... He's an integral part of that 11 to, to think he couldn't have been part of it in that World Test Championship. And then you see what Nathan Lyon did. He bowled well in the first innings and then really well in the second. I, I, I found that extraordinary. So he'll, he'll, have, um, he'll have a big say in it. Um, and, you know, you know how those English wickets get that you know, bit dusty from day three onwards. Uh, there'll be opportunities for him as the series goes on. Uh, Simon... Uh 
just looking from uh, the outside, of, of course, over here, looking at the state of where the Australian cricket team sits, okay? Um, I'm still seeing stories about uh, a woke approach from uh, Australian cricket, which is a word I would never associate with the Australian cricket team before. But we're talking, uh, still talking about the demise of Justin Langer uh, behind the scenes. We're talking about uh, the captain saying, um, you know, uh, let's do everything good for the planet, etc., like that. Uh, I'm just sensing there's still um, something that has to be achieved here by the Australian cricket team under Andrew McDonald. Is that fair? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think it's just this particular squad of players and, and, and coaches. I think it's just an expectation. So, and I hope it's an expectation. I hope they feel pressure um, because you know, that's that's part of... You know, walking the walk. They're, they're representing their country, and and this is an Ashes series. And you know, the Ashes series, you know, as, as you see the build up to this one, you know, people are plucking them out from everywhere. The you know, the great Ashes series and the great Ashes moments. So, um, you know, Australia want to hold their head high and, and really perform well. Um, so uh, that that's you know what they've got to do. And I, I think you know it's a really good build up uh, from the Oval. I don't. I don't think the I hope the Langer factor has been you know, put to bed. Um, you know, I, I think it has. You know, through their performances since he's, you know, the Andrew McDonald era has started. I, I, I hope that's now been put to bed and you know, we move on. But you know, while you still see everyone making comment in the in the media, etc., you think, oh, wonder if it's going to raise its head again. I, I just hope it doesn't. Yep, uh, me too. Um, uh, and I, th- I think, uh, for the sake of Test cricket, we need um, a cricket-dominated Ashes, um, uh, without doubt. Okay, um, I'm going to put it on you here uh, before I'm going to ask you to put your racing hat on for a second. A leading wicket taker in the series. Oh, gee whiz. Um. Oh no, I'm not, I'm not buying into that. See, I'm not buying into that. Um, Fucks. Yeah, Folks, we, we've got to give him. I hope Jimmy can play just, all the test matches. I mean, he's 41 yeah. years old. Um, look, I'll tell you what, they write him off every 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 series we play, they write him off. I'm whacking Mitchell Stark in there. I think I've had a gut full of people saying, oh, should he be in the team or shouldn't he be in the team? He's the best strike bowler in the world, has been probably for the last seven or eight years. He'll do me. <laughs> Leading run scorer? Smith. Steve Smith and no, Australia to win by... No, I just want the overall, and I didn't expect anything else from you, to be fair, but I thought you might put a Victorian <laughs> in there somehow. somehow. But here's... Here, and, and Australia to win? Australia to win? <laughs> yes, I think it's Australia to win, funnily enough. But I'm not going with Ron McGrath coming 5 0. He's, he's trotted that out. He doesn't have to back it up anymore, so he'll be getting out of bed this morning. Think, oh, beauty, I've thrown a, thrown a hand grenade in there and you know, just caused a bit of a, a ruckus. But I, look, I think it's going to be a great series. It, it, whoever wins, it's going to be really tight. 
Right, okay, um, folks, I just should have clarified that. We are talking to a, a, a guy who's a, a class himself as, a, as an all-rounder, but predominantly he, he works out of a fast bowler's brain, so that's why it takes just a little bit of time, folks, for, for things to get from, from the top to the other side. Right, let's, let's get on to the racing. The racing side of thing in Victoria. Right, um, we're hearing a, a reduction in stakes, etc. We're hearing a battle between Peter Valandis and uh, other factions of racing. How are you viewing racing in Victoria at the moment, Scoop? <laughs> I came on for a friendly chat with you this morning. Now we're talking racing jurisdictions and God almighty, Peter Valandis and fighting racing Victoria and Oh, now you're saying I talk slow because I'm a bit fit to my fast bowler. I've never been more offended in my life than Smith, but jeez, I love talking to you. <laughs> well, 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 racing Victoria, well, well, come on. Well, it's just not a good time that we're losing a bit of prize money. I, I don't think that's fantastic. Peter Volandis, he's doing heel clicks at the moment. He's, he's, he's down... He's just at Aubrey Wodonga. I don't know if you've ever been to Aubrey Wodonga. That's on our border across the Murray River is Aubrey. On, on this side is Wodonga, Victoria, New South Wales. And he's just he's just throwing bait across the river and letting Racing Victoria grab it and and do with it what he will. And he's, he's got a very broad smile on his, on his dial just at the minute. So, look, the great thing, Smitty, uh, um, and you know, what's come into horse racing in the last probably... 10 to 12 years is we travel horses so well these days so you know i think as an owner in australia at the moment there's nothing better than you know where do we race this weekend you know there's a a race worth x up in sydney there's a race worth you know y in melbourne there's a race worth um a over in adelaide you know, which way do we go so and that includes new zealand for for that matter you know you guys bring horses over which you often do for the, the Brisbane Winter Carnival, which we're, you know, in, in that up to our ears all year, it's, you know, it's nearly, nearly coming to a conclusion in the next couple of weeks. So, um, look, I think it's great that where the prize money's gone, and Racing Victoria have got probably a, a dose of the a shorts at the minute, and they're, they're going through their, their new um, betting agreement, etc. So, um, uh, you know, they're probably playing a, a little safe, but uh, I know Peter Volandi's up in Sydney, he thinks it's fantastic. Simon O'Donnell, speaking of fantastic, great to catch up with you, mate. Uh, over this side of the Tasman, we cannot wait for this Ashes to start. Um, and then, of course, leading into the Cricket World Cup towards the end of the year. Great to uh, have a chat to you. I'm, I'm glad that um, none of my questions caught you by surprise and you're able to handle them um, <laughs> with a fairly, a, a relatively straight well, back. I, so. I was on a friendly sporting radio station. I didn't realise... I was going on 60 minutes, for God's sake. Bad income. You've it's only been you used to be a good bloke, I remember. It's only been 21, not 60 minutes too, by the way. And uh, we'll put the invoice, put the invoice in. I, th I think, I think the legendary Craig Hutchinson is listening to this interview. He might even give you a bonus. So you get there. You go. <laughs> right, great to chat, Smitty. Cheers. Uh, have, a, have a terrific day, Simon. Uh, Simon O'Donnell there, folks, uh, out of uh, Australia. Very proud Victorian. I think you might have guessed that. But uh, heavily involved in, in uh, uh, cricket commentary and uh, sport 
uh, analysis uh, on that side of things, and of course uh, with a, a deep and meaningful passion about the racing industry as well as uh, racing fans would know. It is uh, 10.22 here, 10.22 here on SENZ. Been tuning in at all hours of the day, from Izzy to Ricardo. What a roster we have on SNZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ. Yeah, just Google Simon O'Donnell. He's a very interesting story, actually. Uh, he was a former. Uh, VFL footballer as well as uh, horse racing and uh, cricket commentator uh, but it does say about uh, Simon uh, incidentally he was part of the 1987 uh, Australian Cricket World Cup winning team with the first time they'd won it Alan Border skipper of that team um, Simon was a brawler in his high school years and would often take on challenges in the laneway next to the Daniloquin High School where he went to school Okay, so there you go. That's where you get the confrontation from. Uh, he wasn't, I'd say, the fastest bowler uh, Australia ever produced, but he certainly was uh, very confrontational. He had one of those good glares and uh, would love a contest. Uh, you love a contest too, by the sound of things, because uh, all of these texts are starting to rocket in here. Uh, leading wicket taker, leading run scorer, and the final score in the Ashes. Um, so uh, we have got a selection here. Thomas Borkowski has come in and said England, Australia 4, England 1. Leading wicket-taker, Scott Boland. Leading run scorer, Harry Brock. That's uh, from Thomas. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, Paul Borkowski has come in. Australia 4, England 1. Leading wicket-taker, Scott Boland. Leading run scorer, Steve Smith. That's from uh, Paul. So uh, the family getting in on the act. Uh, you can do that as well with your family. You can uh, send in... An entry, if you like, uh, just uh, get onto the text line, double eight double three double eight double three. That is the temper bedpost, uh, bedpost text machine, uh, d- uh, double eight double three. Leading run scorer, leading wicket taker over the course of the whole of this Ashes, and of course the final score, who uh, wins the Ashes, who holds on to the Ashes, and by what margin. Uh, that is uh, what is uh, ahead of us there. Uh, also coming up after the news here with Araha, uh, we shall have a catch-up uh, with a fellow by the name of Louis Herman Watt. You may have heard of him. Uh, he's a racing genius, folks, a racing genius, and they're running around today in New Zealand. He'll tell us where and what's going to win, coming shortly. You can catch live commentary of The Ashes starting Friday at 9pm on SENZ or download the SENZ app. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Well, it's Cambridge Synthetic Day today. Uh, There are eight races. The first uh, will begin three minutes before the show ends, actually, at uh, 11.57. So uh, Louis Herman Watt has been uh, running his uh, finger over the cutter here and uh, looking at possible chances today. And what we've got uh, coming up in racing this weekend, and I think... uh, is it Open Aki Cup weekend? I, I, there's plenty on anyway. 
Uh, not this weekend, uh, but Openaki Cup can't be far away at this time of year. It's uh, and I, I saw Al Sharik actually it was commented a, cu- a couple of interesting things from Alan, and we did know that he's off to America for a little bit of a holiday, um, and then uh, upon his r- return at some stage, I assume he'll be back for Openaki Cup. He'll have Butler and Just Ask Me heading towards there uh, this weekend. We've got Tarapa, which is very exciting because it's the Waikato Steve. Chase and the Waikato Hurdle for the jumpers this weekend at Tarapa. So that'll be fantastic, Smithy, to see uh, the jumpers get a fair crack at them. Um, Cambridge Synthetic today, Rickerton Synthetic tomorrow, Awapuni Synthetic on Friday. So it's definitely that time of the year where it's, you know, some of the trainers are heading towards Hawaii, maybe the Gold Coast for a little bit of a spell. Because the trainers need a spell as well, Smithy, you do know that. Why? Well, they, you know, the hardest job in the world, really. Why? Being a horse trainer. Because you have to get up at Why is 3 that? o'clock in the freezing cold, and then you have to deal with angry punters. And you have Sorry. to pretend... And, and, well, I suppose there's no pressure on them. It's actually, actually, the jockeys have a harder job than the trainers. Let me let me correct that. We spoke uh, yesterday to uh, Gina Antonucci, who didn't say for one second that training was a chore or a bore. She loved every second of it. She loved her relationship with the horses. Um, She loved every aspect of the racing game, plus, um, you know, just being around horses as her life. So why is it a chore and a bore for our commentators, uh, our trainers, should I say? I don't think it's a chore or a bore. I just think they need a good freshen up when it gets to winter. They need to go and reset. I mean, these guys spend, and girls spend so much time with their horses in their stables. It can be quite all-encompassing. I don't know that from personal experience, but burnout is something that I do often think about in the racing game. I mean, Virginia, she lives in Florida. I'm sure lots of trainers would love to live in Florida, but no, to be fair, she... what when Actually, I thought about that chat later on, Smithy, in the day. 40 or 50 horses from pre-training, pin-hooking, all of it... That to where I started to think there, it is astounding that she had a Belmont Stakes winner in her op- operation with horseology because it's not even necessarily their only sole focus. It's not like their objective is to go out and train, you know, pure Group 1 Belmont Stakes Triple Crowns winners, and somehow she's been able to conjure it. Quite a remarkable situation if you put it in perspective to what her actual business does. I oh, know that about it. Uh, she's a terrific story, a, a really terrific story, and... Um, you know, we don't know if she'll get another classic winner um, like she's got there with uh, uh, Archangelo, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see, but um, certainly um, she's uh, broken down a barrier there. There's no doubt about that. Uh, it is uh, ten- Did you have one for us today, just yeah. by the by, or you had enough? No, I'll just, <laughs> just love a couple out to follow. One's very short, so Mark will come through in the text line and uh, spit the dummy, but Arrowette should have broken her maiden uh, last start in race number one. Uh, it's $2.10, so it's probably too short to be getting silly with, um, but I was expected to break maidens today, and I am curious to watch French Rose. That's at $4, so that's a better playing around value. $4 in race number six. French Rose was only about a length and a half behind that real nice one of Ben Foots that was punted in and delivered a couple of weeks ago at the Cambridge Synthetic. So French Rose, I think, at $4 is a good bit of value. Good on you, Louis Herman Watt there. Uh, we shall be back very shortly with Alex Chapman. Uh, he is our guest on the Bulletin this morning. DNZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Call any time, 0800 150 811.
brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Bulletin. Right, the bulletin this morning is one uh, Alex Chapman and uh, really pleased to have Chippy on with us this morning. Uh, every now and then we talk to you, you're on the way to Blues training uh, and Blues are still training because they've got a huge appointment this weekend, uh, Chappy, uh, Friday night at uh, Orange Theory Stadium in Christchurch. How are you seeing this one? Oh, Louis, Tommy, I'm only coming on to talk about Nikola Jokic um, doing harness racing, Smithy, so I thought that's why I was oh, on. Oh, sorry. Uh, see... <laughs> if people haven't seen that photo it's actually iconic like him sitting in the, the sulky just good to go yeah I'm, I'm here for that vibe um i'm sure we'll talk about nikola Jokic. going back to the blows I, I i'd be intrigued to know mentally for some of these blues players where this sits as a challenge because and, and i know crusaders fans get really um, and they're a bit sick, aren't they? they? They get a bit sick in the head about how daunting of a prospect. Going down to Christchurch, it's cold, it's a bit of a concrete stadium, it's not going to be enjoyable, the Blues aren't going to play the way that they want to play, it's probably going to be relatively low scoring if, if everything goes to plan for both teams. I think it'll be physical. Um, and despite the fact that the Crusaders are probably going to be without Sam Whitelock, I, I don't know how the Blues are going to win, to be honest. And I say that as as a born and bred Aucklander. Um, the, the Crusaders' backline, I think, it's really coming into form at the right time. The way that the likes of Dallas McLeod have stepped up this season. Richie Moore, after being a bit quiet at the start of the season, has really come into himself and, and cementing that starting All Blacks 10 jersey as if it was ever really in doubt, despite how good Damien McKenzie was in the early parts of Super Rugby. Uh, and, I, yeah, I, I think it's the mental thing for the Blues, more than anything. Going down to cold Christchurch, I can hear Louis Herman Watt cackling all the way from the 03 right now about just what it is like as a challenge for the Blues. Chappy, you're right. I, I am cackling. I... Um I'm wondering, yeah, and we'll get to your we'll, we'll, we'll get to your Belgrade um, t- tip sheet in a bit. But I'm wondering, you say that the, the the Blues have an issue with heading down to Christchurch. What what was the problem last year when when you we all went to Eden Park together and you, you were the only Blues fan in amongst of Crusaders fans, and then the Blues fans got so so um, disgruntled that they ended up resorting to throwing Crusaders fans over the ledges at the stadium. How, how's the psyche of a Blues fan on the week of a? Final? Are you like? Have you given up the ghost yet, or are you still, you still half hopeful? Okay, just to clarify, I wasn't one of those Blues fans doing that. Um, I wouldn't dare do that to you. Uh, I'd also like to remind you, Louis, that I ended up putting money on the Crusaders to win that title. So uh, the um, old emotional you know, hedge, Smithy. See, <laughs> exactly the old emotional hedge, mate. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, look to be honest, bro. Like, Bowden, in all seriousness, Bowden Barrett is going to have to play his absolute socks off. Uh, and, and the Blues are going to have to hope that the Crusaders are, are off their best. And yeah, this, this Blues team, you watch them, even last week in that quarterfinal, I was talking to, to Ollie Ritchie about it the other night, and even, you know, you, you want to be peaking at this time of the season. The Blues still seem just a little bit 
disjointed with their plays. And, yeah, that, that is the Blues style of play. It's why Blues fans do enjoy watching them play. It's that free-flowing. It's getting it to the likes of, of Rico Ioane in space. It's Bowden Barrett receiving it and then finding his own way through it. It's Dalton Papali'i picking and going off the back of the breakdown. But I don't know how the Crusaders... Um, oh, sorry, how the Blues... God, it's a Freudian slip. How the Blues can, can stop the Crusaders from then going and playing their style of footy because it has just been so successful. How's my psyche? Well, uh, look, but you know that once uh, you start texting me at half past seven on Saturday night, Louie, my phone will be going off. <laughs> uh, well, that gives them. That game's kicked off at uh, seven oh five, so that gives them twenty five minutes to give it to you. I'll just give you a yeah, warning. Yeah, Captain, yeah, turn well, it off. That, he, he warms them to his work, Smitty. That's why he warms them to his I'll work. Be he'll, he'll think, oh, I'll it, be there. I'll be nice do, tonight, and then there'll be go nothing. Up and then you'll start texting me. There's nothing warm about it. I'll be sitting in that frozen scaffold stadium, uh, <laughs> and I'll be watching Bowden Barrett with his thermals turning around Auckland. Anyway, Smitty, I'll cut myself off. It's probably a bit cold in Serbia too, um, most times of the year. But to be fair, it's uh, there's always time for a, a bit of harness racing with 130 kilos worth of N- Nikola Jokic and uh, and the sulky. What a great story this bloke is. Uh, everything, every time I I read something about him, I just get more and more amazed about how normal he is. Yeah, he, he doesn't want to go to the parade because he wants to go home. How good is that? He wants to go home and watch what do you call it, Luke? The, the Belgrade harness. Uh, yeah, he's also the sort of guy that you want to play with because, and it's very cliche, but his, his selfish, uh, selflessness makes others better. And, and I think that's been exhibited by, by the fact that he, he was first in the series in points, rebounds and assists, something no other player has ever done. Uh, Jamal Murray has gone to another level and they, they are potentially the greatest duo in the NBA at the moment. Michael Porter Jr., who's had an awful run with injuries, particularly he had two back surgeries, uh, and now he's he fits into that role as that six foot ten shooter that added some good good bits and pieces. Players that added some good vets, and then they win the title, and everyone's crying and hugging. And Nikola Jokic is too busy worrying about going and shaking the hands of of Miami um, opposition fans. And it's, he's almost like I guess in a way like when you you'd walk out of a school exam or a university exam. And no one walks out, you know, completely fizzed after that exam. But internally, you're probably a little bit stoked if the questions that you studied for popped up. You're not going to walk out fist pumping and be like, yeah, get in there. And that's kind of what Nikola Jokic was like. He's just very, very blase about everything. I mean, the amount of times that Louis, you and I have sat back and watched Nikola Jokic and gone, it kind of looks like a snowman running around this basketball court. Just kind of how... I mean, he waddles around at times and he doesn't really look like he's exerting full energy and he gets completely red in the face after just walking one length, let alone playing a full game of basketball. And then he just goes and puts out those sorts of performances. And, yeah, never mind parade. He's obviously to punt at Belgrade. Right, OK. Uh, let's uh, change tack if we can because I did a bit of a sermon this morning on the fact that five very high-profile um, uh, United Kingdom, in fact, European uh, countries have yet to take up the the, rug, uh, the uh, rugby rights, the, the soccer rights for the Women's Football World Cup, right? So they've yet to buy into it, including Spain, including uh, England, including uh, Italy and France. Um, what about 
you, Alex Chapman. I'm not saying going to buy TV rights, but where are you at this just 36 days out from the event in terms of um, a media personality? Um, I, I'm excited because it is a World Cup in our backyard, but we are, and I was talking to Dave Beach, one of the organisers of the World Cup here the other day, and I asked him how they're tracking with ticket sales, and I think it's something like they'd sold just over a million as of last Friday for the entire tournament, so New Zealand and Australia, and not even a quarter of that were in New Zealand. And obviously you've got to take into account population um, ratio, New Zealand to Australia, the amount of games that Australia has, the size of the stadiums that Australia has. I think all of their stadiums are bigger than New Zealand, except for I think Highmarsh Stadium is, is smaller. Uh, but, you know, they've got the, um, Sydney Stadium, which is almost 100,000. They've got stadiums that are 50, 60-plus thousand. And, and Dave kind of laughed about it. It was like, it's just what we like in this country. We're, we're notoriously bad at buying tickets in advance, and which I think comes with hype. You look at, for example, when, when I bought the tickets to go to... Um, the Boxing Day test in Melbourne in 2019, which was obviously in December because it's Boxing Day. I think we purchased them four or five months in advance, and there was the hype and the excitement around that as soon as we bought the tickets. It, it's almost like a, and yeah, it comes on a computer, but it's almost like the tangible aspect of, of knowing that you are going. Same with booking a flight to go overseas. It's not until you get the, you are confirmed to fly on this that you really start to to get excited and I think we like that in New Zealand with not only tickets but it's probably not in, until the first ball is kicked that everyone will jump on the bandwagon we love a bandwagon in this country just ask the Warriors because their bandwagon is completely full at the moment and if they lose two or three games then everyone will jump off it so I, I'm not worried about it I'm, I'm personally quite excited for this tournament because the, the class of some of these players particularly the US um, side note, if you want to make money, go go punt the, the US right now to win this World Cup because they're going to be extraordinary. But, yeah, it, it, it's going to be a really, really fun tournament. I'm looking forward to it. And I think the, the first ball just needs to be kicked, I think. Cool. Okay, nice summation there. Um, right, I'm going to put you on the spot here. We're running a comp here on the, the show. Leading wicket taker, leading run scorer, and the end of uh, the Ashes, uh, who will have won it by what margin? Leading run scorer, please. Uh, Steve Smith, and I don't think it will really be close, to be honest. Right, good, good thought, like it. Leading wicket taker, Ollie Robinson. I really like Ollie Robinson. Ollie Robinson's like the yappy little third former who comes into the first 11 and just has immediate success and probably annoys everyone a little bit, but then he, he just does the job. I really like the way he bowls. He's similar to Nikola Jokic in a way. He doesn't look completely like an athlete when you compare him to, to Broad and Anderson, who obviously will have amazing success, but I think Jimmy Anderson has even himself put up his hand and said he won't play probably more than three tests. Um, but if anyone's going to play four tests I think maybe even all five it's probably going to be Ollie Robinson Okay cool and uh, therefore you've split in terms of the skills uh, what about the end result uh, England 2-1 I think I think there's one, one test one test that gets drawn because of um, the way the game has been played in terms of the run out of time and because it's the UK as well there'll be one test that gets heavily affected by rain 
I'll go England 2-1, but I'm not comfortable about it. I I don't like when England gets all chirpy and, and hopeful and confident because it tends to end, they end up with egg on their face. Okay, Chappie, love it. Uh, love your thoughts there, and uh, I hope uh, the Blues front up for you this weekend, uh, if uh, nothing else, because of your relationship with Louis. Thanks for your time, mate. Have a terrific day, and uh, we shall catch up again shortly. That was Alex Chapman on the Bulletin. Uh, we will come back, uh, hopefully, with someone from the TAB just prior to 11 o'clock. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, really good news. We've been able to secure uh, Andrew McFadden for straight after 11 o'clock. Uh, Cappy, of course, is in charge of recruitment for the Warriors. Uh, I think he's been on the training park as well this morning, so we'll find out what they're up to in bye week, yet another bye week uh, does that, uh, is that a good thing, are they losing some momentum because of it, uh, Cappy next uh, but in the meantime, uh, really cool text from Barry in Christchurch the mention of BJ Lahore as uh, inspirational reminds me of a story once told as a guest speaker, details may be a bit sketchy but the gist is still there, he had retired from the All Blacks in 69 was contacted by All Blacks coach prior to a test versus the British Lions he said that Kirkpatrick was out, they needed a leader to captain the side, would he do it Quoting BJ, he said, I left a note on the kitchen table for Pam, who was picking up the kids from kindy. It was the day before, days before cell phones. It said, off to Wellington to captain the All Blacks against the Lions. We'll be in touch later. Ain't that amazing? Ain't that amazing? That was just straight out leadership. Brian Lahore, one of the greats. Brilliant. Thanks, Barry. The Ashes starting Friday at 9pm on SENZ or download the SENZ app. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, we're really pleased to say here on SENZ that we've got a terrific relationship uh, with the One New Zealand Warriors and uh, we uh, look to develop that um, on a daily basis and uh, we're just absolutely loving being part of uh, their uh, performance this year and uh, central to that is the way that they put their squads together and this year it seems that they've done it uh, really really well and the bloke uh, uh, responsible for that um, because it says so in his title and that it is the development of pathways manager for the one New Zealand Warriors in charge of recruitment as well is uh, Andrew McFadden and uh, Andrew McFadden Cappy joins us now. Uh, Cappy thanks uh, so much uh, for uh, coming into the show this morning. Thanks, Vinny. It's uh, great to be on the show, mate. Hey, look, a uh, number of things I'd just like to have a, a, a quick chin wag with you over, uh, particularly in, in terms of uh, recruitment. Uh, I mean, is, for your recruitment from your point of view, is, is that like a 12-month-of-the-year gig? I mean, you know, you're constantly looking, watching, studying, filling. Is that, is that how it works? Yep, yep. It's an all-round thing, Smithy. Um, certainly it's very fluid as well because... You can have a plan, um, but, but, but things don't always fall into place and you've got to be willing to move. And things change. Like, uh, you know, our philosophy with uh, Andrew Webster was, was this year is that we, you know, he wants to get to know the players, get to know what their capacity is on the field. Because um, you really don't know, you know, how good a player can be until they're in a good environment. And, um, you know, he's certainly providing that at the moment. And we're seeing some guys that are playing probably the best they've ever played. And, you know, we've... We've got to move on that. 
Cappy, in terms of the current squad, um, a lot has been made about the depth at the moment where we're talking about the halves and the front rowers, the centres, hooker, etc. But one position that is often overlooked is uh, the one occupied by Tohu Harris. And as, like, as uh, much as we like to think he's going to play forever, he's a giant of a man, he's a great inspir- uh, inspirational leader. Uh, he's not. It just doesn't happen that way. So what about 13 going forward? Yeah, look, it, it, it's it's something that, you know, that we've discussed, um, myself and Andrew Webster. Um, he's the type of player we want at that 13, particularly, you know, Andrew Webster's style of footy. He needs a ball playing forwards. Um, you know, they're all, they can all ball play, and that's why Dylan Walker, you know, when he's on the field is uh, such an important person because he can provide that role for us too. But, yeah, certainly we're looking at developing forwards. You know, we've got some young forwards, uh, Demetrius Sifakula, who has got some, some of that ability and going forward maybe he can step into the role when, when Torhu finally calls it stumps at some point. Also uh, back into the fold now after a terrific uh, pre-season uh, appearance was Luke Metcalf, of course, went down to injury. What about um, his development? What are you seeing now there with a decent run of actually playing? Yeah, it's always been just the case for Luke. He's just getting out there and, and feeling comfortable in first grade. Um, you know, he, he's only played a dozen first grade games, so quite often it takes a little bit of time to feel comfortable. You can see from week to week he's getting better, um, and, and we've got to give him time to develop in that position. So, um, yeah, we're happy with what we're seeing. Um, he has got things to improve, but, but certainly there's, there's something there. He's got that X factor that you know, everyone can see. In terms of uh, his uh, playmaking uh, buddy at the moment, that, of course, is a highly experienced uh, Sean Johnson. So many headlines on stuff. We get so many messages into uh, the station well about his future. I'm not going to expect that you're going to say exactly what's going to happen here, but how does that process go in terms of filling the bracket of, of playmakers of halves and then looking at your individuals as such? How do you go about that with, with a player like a Sean Johnson as such? Yeah, look, it, it's 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 challenging. Um, you know, Sean's obviously getting to that you know that time in his career, whether it's 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 he either plays or he doesn't, and you know, he's got to come to that decision himself. Um, we've obviously already looked ahead, and that's why we've we've recruited Chanel Harris Devita. You know, um, myself and Andrew Webster. Um, you know, we're a big fan of him. He, he certainly represents what what we're about and what we want to be about, which is you know tough and you know, fiercely competitive, and, and he certainly brings that along with our other recruits. Um, so he sort of fills that gap. Um, he might take a little bit of time. So obviously we're still trying to work things out with Sean, and we're, we're waiting for him to, you know, to see how he feels at the end of the year. Um, but, yeah, look, it, it is a challenge to, to replace someone of that experience, but we, we feel like we've got, you know, things in place to, to be able to cover that down the track. As I pointed out um, in the intro, you're in charge of uh, the pathway as well, which includes the younger players. Uh, when you have a first-grade side performing like it is at the moment, and uh, it's very good, it's, it's consistent, uh, it seems that uh, everything is in place in terms of attitude and commitment, etc. Is it easier to, uh, to motivate and see the best in the youngsters coming through as a genuine possible pathway to their first-grade team? Oh, I think it really helps, Smithy. There's no doubt about that, um, you know, Everything starts from the top uh, in any organisation and, and the way the Warriors are playing, not just winning, but obviously the way they're playing certainly helps sell our message of what we want to be about. And, um, you know, there is some momentum in that space and, uh, you know, that helps the whole organisation, you know, with support and all sorts of stuff. But, 
but certainly in our pathways, um, it gives us some momentum. And particularly, you know, the fact that we're, we're going to have all our full book of um, junior pathways next year, um, I think you can see there's a real energy around it. Uh, Kepi, um, boy, at a good time or a bad time when you look at the performance at the weekend? Is it, is it um, the way you, things were tracking or trending anyway, it looked like you might want to be out there again this weekend? <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I, I, it is. Momentum's great in sport. Um, and you're right, sometimes the buyer can can take a bit away, that, uh, away from that momentum. But, look, it's such a long season. I think the players certainly... Uh, internally, you know, we all needed a rest, so um, we've got to take it as that. But uh, Andrew Webster's, you know, we certainly addressed that this morning at training about, um, you know, what it means for us to buy. We've got to, we've got to utilise it in its entirety and make sure we come out of it, you know, with that momentum. So it can be, but you know, hopefully in this case, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't stall us at all, and we can just kick on from here. So interesting. Uh, the boys had a full training this morning. Yep, yeah, they're back in the um, back in the um, on the field today. Um, they'll train for the next three days, and then um, yeah, they'll have the weekend off, and then into a normal prep next week. So yeah, they've had a good little break. They played Friday night, so some of these guys got a chance to get away and go and see family and have a break. Um, but yeah, they certainly look energised today. That's for sure. Uh, in terms of uh, that performance uh, against uh, Canberra, how did you rate that season in terms of the whole season? <laughs> Yeah, look, it was it was really critical for us that you know we we probably had a, a month which wasn't so good, and I think you know we were both at the Napier game, and that was an opportunity missed, and it felt like we were maybe just losing a bit of that early season momentum. Um, they came out and um, really put in a good performance um, against the, the Dolphins, but everything was to play for against in that Raiders game. It was always going to be a tough ask, and I thought they were very professional and they were very well coached that night, and it was. Uh, it certainly felt like it was uh, a really important win in our season for momentum. Um, I think we all felt that. And, yeah, I think the players got a lot of confidence out of that because it was a big game. Coaches uh, never rest. Um, um, strategies never uh, stop being uh, un- unfolded. And I, I just wonder now, uh, what are the, the, the key work-ons you feel for the group at the moment under Webby? Yeah, well, I mean, he's you know he's very clear about how this all works, and he's not going to go away from what worked from in the start of the year, and that's really you know focusing on fundamentals. The stuff that they're doing on the field aren't you know there's there's nothing pretty about it. It's about everyone understanding you know what they need to do and and going out there and executing it. And when you've got clarity, it just it really helps with your energy, and that's what you're seeing in the group. They all know what's going on, so it, it, it allows them to commit to their roles and. And that's what uh, that's why you're seeing those guys play so well. Uh, Cappy, just getting back to your role and being a bit more specific on it in terms of what you want, what you need, and how much you've got. How, how hard is that balancing act when you you come to uh, the quality of what you need to come into the group as opposed to how much you can outlay for them? How how does that work? Uh, look, it's, that's a good, really good question, Smithy. Um, and it moves all the time. Uh, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it moves with the way the players play and, and form and what you think you need at the start doesn't sometimes is not what you need. Um, so, yeah, look, it's, it's just it's, as long as we're having constant conversations, we, we have regular checkpoints, um, you know, all the key people here around our recruitment. Um, and then, we you know, we make the best decision we can at the time. So um, we are very much, uh, you know, our strategy 
when we first got here, both myself and Andrew, was to make sure that we gave everyone a chance to put their best foot forward. You know, we didn't want to make any rash decisions based on, you know, um, external opinion. Um, we wanted to get to know the players and see what their, you know, what their, um, I guess their ceiling was and then, and then make decisions around that. And in terms of, um, and, and one of the other questions we obviously get asked because his name just comes up in lights every morning, it seems, is, is Roger, Roger Tovasashek, of course. Uh, are there any spots on the roster still available? Are you holding one for this season? Um, we, we've got a couple for this season. Um, uh, yeah, look, it, it's, we're, we're not in any rush, Smithy. There's, there's certain uh, little tricks in the salary cap that you can take advantage of. We're really happy with some of our, our junior guys coming through, our young players that you know, will step up into our top 30 next year. So, um, yeah, look, we're just being really patient at the moment. Um, the team's going well. and We've got some guys, you know, playing their best footy. So, um, yeah, any, any decision we make around recruitment, it will be only because we think it's going to be a better fit for us long term. So um, it's a hard one um, to be patient sometimes. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, fortunately... I think fortunately, because the group's going well, that's just allowing us to, you know, really make sure that um, anything we do in the future is going to be the best thing for the club. How much uh, Super Rugby do you watch, Cappy, if any? Um, as much as I can, Smithy. I, I enjoy watching rugby. Um, obviously, you know, when Roger was playing, I was certainly uh, interested in following um, him. But, um, yeah, look, I watched the Brumbies and the Hurricanes the other day. I thought... <laughs> Tough call in the Hurricanes. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, I, I try to watch as much as possible. Obviously, I'm always looking for, for talent as well, and there's certainly plenty of um, talent in New Zealand in rugby. Hey, mate, great to catch up with you. I know you came um, in on the piece very uh, very late in the piece. Uh, you're committed to the Warriors for quite some time because, um, you know, obviously with the recruitment market, it, it goes across the board in a lot of sports, uh, your kind of window. You, you're committed in, in here for a while? Certainly, Smitty. I, um, you know, I took this job uh, to get a bit of certainty. I'd been riding the, uh, the coaching roller coaster. Uh, for quite some time now and um, this job was an opportunity for me you know to get that a uh, bit more security around job and you know my kids are just about to go into high school so I certainly don't want to be taking them out of school anytime soon so yeah I'm hoping I'm here for the next 20 years Smithy um, this is my home now. Good on you Cappy uh, glad to hear it and I know there's a truckload of people out there would be glad to hear that uh, what you've just said as well Commitment to the club uh, is um, the ultimate uh, for this club, which is going so well. Hey, cheers, man. Uh, we'll let you, let you get uh, back to the job proper, and thanks for your time. Thanks very much, man. Champion. Cheers, uh, Andrew McFadden there, affectionately known as uh, Cappy to her, his friends and uh, colleagues and well, and uh, you've got to admire the job that they're doing. You really do at the moment, and it uh, sounds like they're focusing very heavily on development. Needed to ask him the question. Uh, because we're getting texts in about the likes of uh, Sean Stevenson popping across the rugby league, um, perhaps players that uh, don't make the cut in the All Blacks this weekend, um, <coughs> perhaps uh, looking uh, for greener pastures and something quite different to do as well. So uh, he's the man that uh, is largely in control of that, uh, balancing the the uh, Louis balancing the box. I, I guess is the important thing there, and um, you know. The question we, we keep asking about RTS is because the Warriors were the ones that gave him the quick release. 
uh, when he decided he was going to go to the Blues um, and uh, try to become an All Black, which eventually he did, uh, it was the, the Warriors that played ball there and said, look, yeah, yeah, go. As soon as we can possibly get a window to go home during COVID or whatever, you go and get yourself set up, ready to go. Um, and I just wonder whether if his name does not come out this weekend in the first squad for Ian Foster, whether there is scope. And that's why I asked if there are positions still on the roster, if there's money basically around to say to Roger, come now. We'd quite like you now. Very hard to see. It would be very hard to see, Smithy, how Roger Tuivasa-Shek's name would be in the mix this weekend, even in an extended squad. I just think that the horse is bolted. And I think it probably did a few weeks ago, actually probably a couple of months ago, which is sad. It's a, I mean, it's never a failed, failed experiment, but it probably didn't go as good as it possibly could have. Again, we keep saying this, it goes back to how kind of elite and one-of-ones Brad Thorne and... Um, the likes of Sonny Bill Williams have been Israel Folau to be able to do it at the, the highest level. It's just so, so, so hard. And that's why uh, the young Joseph out of the Sydney Roosters, when people started saying his his ceiling is Israel Folau, or, you know, they should be people should be thinking about him as Israel Folau, just say, pump the absolute brakes. This is so hard, so hard to do. But around your, your question to Cappy there, I don't know. I don't know if it's just me, but he didn't say no. <laughs> he kind of said that there are a couple of tricks you can do with the cap, and there's a he would know, wouldn't he? And <laughs> the man that's always wearing one, and there's a there's a couple of ways you can kind of finagle it. He didn't say no. Look, somebody smarter than me that understands the nuances of uh, NRL contracts. Hey, Bruce Sherrick's making a racing announcement this week. He's a uh, obviously a, a high-profile player. Actually, I actually think he might be Rogers, just by the way. Uh, I wonder if he knows anything. It's an interesting one. But what did you read out of his answer to you, Smithy? I think that the door is always um, open. I think the form of the Warriors at the moment and the fact that they want to show faith into those players that they've got at the moment who are doing the job for them closes it a wee bit um, we know that um, in the long term that's where he's going to be um, we don't quite know what jersey number he'll fill at this point um, but there are a lot of players who are making some fairly firm statements uh, around wanting to make it very hard for Roger to get in uh, and I think that's um, part and parcel of uh, what they're trying to achieve at the moment and what they are achieving well, Chance Nickel Klockstad has just been an, an immense success. And, you know, here's a, here's a career we should be celebrating, Smithy. I mean, he, he showed glimpses when he was at the Warriors the first time around. Remember when he got his car broken into and they nicked his jersey that was, I think, had been signed, and that was going back, went to Canberra, became an elite player, then fell out of favour after injury, couldn't get back into that squad, but was a much-loved team member over there. Uh, he's come back to the Warriors and has gone to another level again. Defensively, he is tough. Uh, he runs as hard as Dallin Wittini Zelezniak. He's got great rugby league IQ. You watch him, he very rarely makes the wrong defensive read. And on attack, he's so solid. There's a guy we should be celebrating. And I, I mean, I loved I loved the fact that Andrew Webster came out and said, Roger Tuivasa-Sheik won't be playing fullback because we have our fullback. I just think that sort of empowerment coaching, talk about leadership earlier in the show, you know, guys like Baz McCullum, I know that's his ethos as well, empower these players, take pressure off them, watch them succeed. Well, Chanel Harris-DeVita, of course, has been signed uh, for next season and uh, one of those playmaking roles as well. And um, that was um, a, a move that's been lauded um, by a lot of uh, fans as well. So uh, him uh, taking a break for the game and now wanting to get back in and uh, continue his life in rugby league. 
another success story. So, yep, it's it's very very interesting, and um, it's pretty much all positive coming out of the Warriors camp at this point in proceedings. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, after last season, did we really expect they would be where they'd be this far into this season on the table? No, we did not. We did not expect that, let's be honest. Uh, 11.21 here on SENZ. We'll be back very shortly, courtesy of Polaris, uh, with our sports desk, Louis in charge. SENZ's Hawks Bay ratings better be going through the roof with Izzy and Smitty. You're listening to SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Well, what's making waves uh, will be uh, Polaris, certainly. Uh, they're at the field days, and uh, we've got uh, some specials going on. Um, field day specials, in fact. Uh, you're looking at uh, $2,500 worth of free accessories alone on Polaris Rangers, uh, amongst others. So uh, check that out. Uh, Louis Herman Watt, uh, you're on the sports desk this morning. What have you uh, got lined up? Anything, anything uh, Nikola Jokic at all? Anything of that uh, nature? I reckon we'd have to, Smithy. Let's take a trip to Belgrade and let's uh, line up and see what's going on because this man is a man who loves, and I say loves, his horses. He he likes his horses more than you and I like a punt combined. And that is probably the truest extent of passion about something, I'd say, Smithy. Here's him talking about his horses. And they, remember, this bloke's just won an NBA championship. This is what players... This is what players spend their whole life trying to achieve. And here's a man who's seven foot tall, 130-something kegs, all he can care about and think about is horses. Next week or two look like for you now. you got a parade coming up here on Thursday. Yes. How soon till you're back in Sunday? I need to. On Sundays I have my horse racing. In my horse race. racing? Horse racing? Horse <laughs> I was going to get to that, the horse we'll racing. Get to that. Maybe. I don't know how we're going to arrive. Thursday parade. Friday maybe. Would you make it? I don't know. Maybe, ask, maybe you can I'm have gonna, enough time to squeeze it in. I'm gonna ask Josh to give me a give me a give me a plane. Oh, I think I think you. I think yeah, he'll, I, I, he'll I, I, definitely I, I, let you get the team plane. I think you deserve I, that. You deserve I, a little more than that. I did it on TV. I, I'm gonna finish by. Uh, by I put him under the pressure. Yes, yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> Nicole, I don't feel bad at all. <laughs> You like oh, that, really brilliant. I, I, I put him under the pressure. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, the, the bloke's just delivered your franchise its first ever championship. The least you can do is lend him the team plane so he can get back to Serbia for his horse race on Sunday after you're going to make him stay. And, you know, it, he just wanted to go home. He was just like every other bloke after they finish work. I mean, I suppose you, you work from home, but you just want to knock off and, you know, go sit down, don't you? So I thought that was amazing. And, the whole storyline's amazing. So he mentioned Josh, one of the owners of the team, there. How about Stan Kroenke? Have you heard the name Stan Kroenke before, Smithy? No. Uh, no. Enlighten me. Right. Here's his resume. Stan Kroenke. LA, he's, he's, a, he's an owner. He's one, of the, he's one of the owners of the Nuggets. I should tell you that first. But he also does this. He's also the owner of the LA Rams. Super Bowl champs, what, two years ago? Matthew Stafford, mm. Aaron Donald. He owns the Colorado Avalanche, Stanley Cup champs, very recently. He owns 
the Colorado Mammoth, who I'm pretty sure are lacrosse champs or a lacrosse team, I think. Um, he also owns SoFi Stadium, which is that new spaceship stadium where the Rams play, I believe. Uh, he is the host of, well, he was the host of Super Bowl, that Super Bowl, obviously. Um, the 2023 College Football National Championship, that's, this is, we're talking about the stadium here. Uh, the 2026 World Cup, multiple matches, we're talking football. The 2028 Olympics opening and closing ceremony in his stadium. Um, in, in total, between cash from his events and equity and value on the teams, Kroenke is already up at least 3 billion US on his investments since 2020. Up 3 billion US on his sporting investments since 2020. Even crazier, Kroenke also owns Arsenal and the Colorado Rapids. His entire sports empire, they reckon. US, potentially $13 billion. So give him the goddamn plane, Stan Kroenke. <laughs> I think you can afford the, the, the fuel. I think you can, Sam. Uh, that would put him in the t- in the firing line then of uh, Prince, whoever it is in Saudi Arabia, who wants to own the world. Um, so he'll look at that and say, well, "Right, um, you own that, you own that. Uh, I need to buy, buy one Stan of those. <laughs> yeah, I need to buy one of those things. And, oh, I can just buy Stan, and I've got the lot. Uh, so, <laughs> well, well, massive players, aren't they? Absolute massive players. That's a good story. Great numbers there. Um, anything else before we knock it on the head? Uh, no, nah, really. The only other thing, I, it was just it's championship season, and I just wanted to give a shout-out to Jack Grealish, who hasn't slept in, a, I reckon, around probably somewhere cl- closing in on 100 hours, and I would love to know how many individual bottles of champagne he is he could claim. Um, he's still partying along with the rest of the Man City team, but he is clearly uh, the most valuable off-field so far. He is the most valuable off-field, and I'll tell you what, if you Google Jack Grealish, that's G-R-E-A-L-I-S-H, and have a look at his... Small house that he owns uh, just out of Manchester. You'd be quite impressed with that, I think. Uh, it is coming up to 11.32, I should say, which means we're in the market for your calls, and that is 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Please call us and play uh, Stumps for the now. Uh, we got knocked over uh, yesterday by a basketball fan who wasn't a fan, but it was turned out to be an expert, so uh, that didn't help. Uh, but uh, today we'll have uh, some new subjects. Brian's waiting for your calls. Louis will be the quiz master. Chance for you to win, uh, of course, a voucher from the TAB to the value of $50. And don't forget our other competition we're running now through to Friday at midday. Uh, and we've had a truckload in. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Paul. Thank for Levi, Levi Mac to Mark, uh, to Chris, uh, all of you people that are texting. And keep them coming, Double eight, double three. Leading run scorer in the Ashes. Leading wicket taker over the course of the Ashes. And the final score. Who wins the Ashes, Australia or England? By what margin? Uh, that uh, is, uh, Those uh, lines are open as well. And we have a really good prize in store, which we'll announce before Friday lunchtime. Rightio, let's get uh, stuck into it. It's 11.34 here on uh, SENZ. And uh, we've got uh, 50 bucks up for grabs. And uh, we've got callers on the line. And Louis, it's uh, over to you. 
It's fair to say you have had a had hit your eye in today, Smithy. Actually, Toby says, Smithy, you love it when you talk to your old cricket mates around the world. Great conversations always. Sod is awesome. Yeah, I agree. And if you missed that chat with Simon O'Donnell, who, uh, <laughs> well, he, fair to say he fought back towards the end after he got called a thick, fast bowler, um, you can go to the podcast channel or the app with Mornings with Ian Smith and catch up with that. But we are going to head now to Taranaki and catch up with Roger. Don't think it's Roger Tuivasa-Shek. I don't think. I don't believe. Roger, good morning. Pretty close to it, brother. <laughs> how's, how's your step? Is it vintage? You can shrug off a defender? No, it's, it's, uh, I've got the old um, 69-year-old side step falling on the floor. So. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. All righty. Here's your topics, Roger. Rugby league, that, that, rugby that, or... Go. That's elder abuse too, by the way. Uh, rugby. Turn it up I don't want it I don't want it Roger Right here we go Uh, Wow This is a tough question To start I'll be really honest with you No let's Let's have a crack at it Jeez Brian This is The NRLW so the women's rugby league competition has become a real option for our women rugby players with Niall Guthrie leaving the Sevens program for the glitz and glamour of the Gold Coast. But it's not all one-way traffic. With a former Kiwi Fern and Newcastle Knights outside back earning a Black Ferns contract in the latest round of announcements. Can you name that woman? Is this rugby we're doing? <laughs> my, okay, I, I, my closest guess would be I'm going I'm to say Rolf Harris. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. <laughs> that is one of the worst things ever seen done on a cricket field. I think it's fair to say, Roger. Um, but you'll be pleased to know that uh, having um, I have sort of uh, taken a, a passing interest in this, but I could not remember. So much goes in inside of this old brain and. Uh, comes out very quickly. I didn't retain it, so you're safe. No, I've got no idea either. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. I think Brian must have been, this must have been not long after Brian's car didn't start. This is a tough question. Caitlin Vahakolo, I would suggest, is the answer. Caitlin Vahakolo. So there you go. Anyway, on to something a bit more achievable, Roger. The Super Rugby Pacific semi-finals kick off this weekend, as you'd know, with the Crusaders hosting the Blues. Who has scored the most tries in Super Rugby Pacific 2023? Um, most tries. Uh, Talia. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and the way it goes. Brilliant. Brilliant, Rog. Absolutely outstanding. Got that one. Let's call it 50 bucks now, brother. (laughs) No, we'll just just give you one more, shall we? Just one more for good measure. Let's go. Let's go. I sent you you a multi. You didn't reward me for that. (laughs) Oh, look, hold it. I haven't even read that out yet, so um, I'm looking at that. That might even be that might even be a a, um, a thing from the future, a, um, a contestants multi, because the the hosts yeah. are bloody awful. We're awful. Yeah, I know. Okay. I noticed. <laughs> All right, Roger. Okay. <laughs> Enough of the fighting words. Uh, the Rugby World Cup 
2023 in France kicks off on the 9th of September with the All Blacks taking on host France. Who has scored the most points in a single World Cup tournament? Oh, God. Points to be a bloody goal kicker. Uh, nice points. Oh god. I got no. I got no idea. Fox. <laughs> they didn't play any. Uh, That's a couple of chips uh, Right what? in the slot, and the way it goes. What did you say? What did you say, Roger? Did you? I wouldn't have a clue. I just took a guess. I, I didn't think he would have played many games that he would have got enough points. But okay, That's, thank Maybe you. In the middle. Oh, God, I don't believe that. That is an out-and-out, an out-and-out knife to the solar plexus of me for you to get that right. Did you know? I did say, you know? No, I didn't know. I, I actually didn't know. But I, I, I know kind of, uh, you give me th- three guesses, I'd have got it. Dementia's a bastard, eh? <laughs> I, I, I can't remember whether I've got it or not. No, I don't. I, don't, I can't remember what I, I can't remember what answer you just gave us. But on the basis that I'm pre- prepared to uh, back you up, um, I'm prepared to say you are our winner today. So there you go, Rog. Stay on the line because Thanks, um, uh, and Brian will remind you of your name and and also just get your details and um, con- con- congrats. Elder abuse from elder to elder. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah. No, that no, that, yeah. that's called respect. That's called helping each other out. That's uh, that's respect, not abuse. Uh, Rog, well done, mate. Congratulations. Have a terrific day. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep calling. We love your company. It's uh, coming up to eleven forty-one here on SCNZ. Uh, we're going to go to the hottest joint, the hottest ticket in the country, uh, very shortly. And that, of course, is the field days. And uh, sitting there uh, is Andy Thompson waiting for us. Uh, because it's uh, also Rural Roundup Day being a Wednesday, having two on Friday as well. So Andy's got a busy week up there amongst his friends. It's, uh, yeah, as I say, time for a quick break. So it's 11.46 uh, here on SENZ, and being a Wednesday, of course, it's uh, Rural Roundup uh, Day for Andy Thompson. Of course, it does Fridays as well, and that's uh, for all our frequencies uh, outside of uh, Auckland and Wellington. But uh, it seems you um, you are in uh, Auckland, but... Um, doing a, a bit of work I suppose from time to time because the field days are, are pretty close by Andy so um, I noticed uh, one of the things on uh, the rural side of things this morning I'm reading is that um, Prime Minister Chris Hipkins rules out fertiliser tax for farmers I would imagine there are a few politicians who will be uh, in and around the field days in the next few days. Yeah g'day Smithy hey good to have you mate um, yeah certainly I am at field days at the um Grain Corp site. Uh, Robbie's running the cutter. The Rural Roundup's coming from Auckland today, and I'm down here catching up with a few people. That's interesting news, actually, about the um, really, really interesting news about the fertiliser tax. Um, it hasn't really made a big splash here. Someone just mentioned to me before, but to be honest, Smithy, it was never going to happen anyway. It was a bit of a, a bit of. They were flying a kite. Um, the Nationals. Um, emissions policy and the GE policy that they've announced this week has pretty much taken the wind out of that completely. So, um, yeah, I've caught up with Chris Luxon this morning. We're actually going to have him on the show this morning uh, talking about that. And uh, so, you're right, there are politicians aplenty here. Um, was it the um, 7.30? I was at the opening of Field Days this morning and uh, up on the main stage there was uh, Damien O'Connor, Chris, uh, Christopher Hipkins, there was uh, Kieran McAnoldy. There were politicians all over the place. So, it is the time of the year when politicians show up to talk to Ag New Zealand so yeah it's going to be great 
You've been to a few of these, Andy's. What, uh, Andy? What, what's the vibe? What, what are you sensing in the vibe? The vibe here is of um, excitement. And when I came in here yesterday and had a look around the place, completely different to what we had earlier uh, last year in November when we were here. Um, it's much, much bigger. There's a huge amount of people in here today already. And there's two things that I'm picking up. Um, one's a sense of relief, actually. And I talked to this about Luxton in the interview I did with them earlier, um, about how I think farmers are feeling relief with some of the changes that are being made and the fact that there's potentially some hope for their future. And I'm, I'm kind of getting a sense of that um, here. So there's certainly that. But also um, field days are all about uh, opportunity to get off farm and get together and have a, you know, have a good chat with your mates and, and neighbours and, and see people you haven't seen for, the, you know, for a year or so. So um, it's, a, it's a good mental health um, day as well, so, um, or a couple of days. So it's certainly really important in the um, agricultural calendar. Do you sense it's going to be a, a good field days for suppliers in terms of you know, plant machinery, etc., or uh, you know, because they've got the latest mod cons on display, or, or are farmers still in this climate just going to sit back a bit before they make any calls like over the next three days? Smithy, um, there's a lot of talk about that, and no one really knows. I think all you can really say is you've got. Uh, we, we know the cost of living crisis, right? And we know how much inflation is affecting household budgets. We'll double that for farmers. So you've got a double whammy happening at the moment. You've got costs that have risen up to 16 to 18% in the last 12 months. And you've got payout projections which are back a dollar on last year. Um, so there is this real squeeze. So it is going to be absolutely fascinating to see where the farmers do open their wallets at this event. Um, there's certainly plenty of things to open your wallet with. Um, but I suspect there's going to be a lot of, you know, to coin a phrase, research happening where farmers mm. are in, looking at possibilities, looking at options. I mean, I've spoken to a couple of uh, people here already this morning, um, exhibitors, and they said that the demand or the, the inquiry has been really solid. Um, there's certainly the crowds are here, well and truly, there's fantastic crowds here, a lot of people wandering around. The queues to get in this morning were massive um, for the first morning. So, yeah, I, I think that it's going to be a successful event for the organisers, for the people selling the gear. I'm wondering if it might be one of those, let's give it three, six, eight, nine months before we actually purchase. But certainly um, the inquiry will be there. Uh, and just finally, Andy, um, I saw a headline before... Um, when I was uh, just uh, looking at the rural websites, etc. Solar power and farming. Massive. Solar power and farming. Is it massive? I mean, I, I could think of a dairy operation, for instance, a big dairy operation where solar power would be of immense value, surely. Look, it is massive actually, and it's interesting you brought it up because we've already done an interview with um, uh, with uh, Andy Irvine from Datamars talking about solar and the amount that it's being used on farms. Um, and I know a farmer in particular who I interviewed on the show uh, a few weeks ago who's actually um, converted his entire cow shed. In fact, he's using um, some paddocks. Sorry, the coffee machine's wound up. He's using some paddocks um, to actually put in a solar farm to run his entire farm off solar. So that and, and also using helping his neighbours and, and creating their own little um, power station. So it is an amazing um, piece of technology and farmers are well equipped with spare land to actually create a solar farm. Um, and, and what that does is that brings back their emissions. So their methane and greenhouse emissions get get um, brought down because they're using the genera uh, generating their own electricity. So yeah, definitely. I see while you're roving around you've made it to the coffee machine. Uh, when you're also roving around, uh, is there any sort of something a little bit more, shall we say, uh, uh, robust? In the context? 
Yeah, is there any robust uh, type uh, outlets there that you can perhaps uh, join with some of your old colleagues? Um, um, yes, Smithy, absolutely, yes. There's the, um, the Good George Bar, uh, which um, I will be frequenting later on. And unfortunately, there's also the, um, uh, the Client Do tonight, uh, which I think you were invited to the Client Do in Hamilton, were you, at the casino? Not sure. um, no, I don't get to oh. those sort of things. Okay. No, I'm, no, look, I'm there is um, places for entertainment. Uh, there's places for us to have, you know, business meetings, Smithy. That's what we need to do. Yeah. Okay, look, you know. uh, I'll, let, I'll, let you, I'll let you go because uh, you've got to uh, sort out the show coming in from Auckland, of course. Uh, so, uh, Andy, all the best with that. And over the, the next three days, might even catch up with you on Friday to see how the whole deal went, eh? That'll be cool. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Smithy. Cheers. Andy Thompson there uh, with the Rural Roundup, of course, um, on all frequencies outside of uh, Auckland and Wellington. Uh, but those Auckland and Wellington frequencies are covered, of course, by who? Yes, Mark Stafford. Chat to him very shortly.